Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Family Wealth and Other Musings. I'm your host, Becky Easton, and a special hello to all of my new listeners from um, the Eastmark Neighbors page. It's super nice to have you guys supporting, and I'm glad to have you here. I hope you hear something interesting and that makes you want to ask questions or get things taken care of on your end or helps you feel secure in the fact that you have everything taken care of on your end. Um, I love meeting people, neighbors especially. Um, You guys are mostly who I work with here. Um, My firm is just very fortunate to be able to work primarily with um, neighbors and friends in the Eastmark area, uh, which is in East Mesa, Arizona. And, and then with their family and friends. So it's been nice building a kind of organically neighborhood law firm, (laughs) if you will. And so anyway, I mean, today I want to talk a little bit about um, how sometimes how planning can fail, even when you think you've done it right. And this is more common than I would like it to be, than anyone would like it to be, really. Um, Because a lot of times what happens when you're focused on getting documents drafted and when you're, sometimes even when you're working with an attorney, if they are solely focused on drafting the documents for you, um, the result of protecting your family and keeping them out of court and out of conflict might not actually be achieved because we were too focused, um, too focused on just the documents and not the actual intended result. And that's, that's something our firm does try to do a little bit different. And, um, you know, it really was in part because of a, a poor experience in my family when my grandmother died. And she, you know, we thought she had done planning. She talked about her trust and, you know, it really sounded like she had things squared away and she had some life insurance policies and, you know, it was, it was great. Nobody really were, thought to ask any particular questions. We didn't really know. Um, and <clears throat> when, she, when she died, we found her trust. But the house had, I believe my mom was on the house. My mom was on bank accounts. Nothing was actually in the trust. So... Um, you know, it was probably a few thousand dollars that she spent on what ultimately was just a stack of papers and didn't do anybody any good. Um, only served to, you know, perhaps make her think that she had done it, that she had taken care of her planning. And it just... In, in our family's case, my mom's an only child, so it made things pretty uh, relatively easy and streamlined. Um, we didn't have too much hassle, at least initially. We didn't. 
Um, I say initially because there were a couple other things that we uncovered later on. Um, my grandmother bought a house with me. She co-signed with me on my first house in Denver. And, um, when she passed away, uh, we were still, we weren't planning on moving yet. I didn't really think anything of changing the title or seeing how we had owned the house. Um, I figured it would be good enough to have her death certificate and be able to show that when and if we were ready to sell the house. So a few years later, time comes, we decide that we are going to leave Denver, sell our house and come back to Arizona. And so as we are, we have have accepted an offer on the house. We're wanting to close within about a month. And they asked me like, who, who's this other lady on the title with you? I'm like, Oh, that's my grandmother. You know, here's her death certificate. No big deal. And they're like, uh, actually, yeah, big deal because of the way we owned the property. We owned it as tenants in common as opposed to joint tenants or joint tenants with rights to survivorship. And so that meant that I now owned a house half with my grandmother's estate. And so, um, add another layer onto that. I had already physically moved back to Arizona, so I couldn't even walk the, um, the file through probate just for like a learning experience. Um, we got the pleasure of hiring a good friend to, to do that for us. Um, but you know, at a, a cost of some of the proceeds of selling my house and, um, and then even, even then after we got my mom appointed in another state, my mom lives here in Arizona and this is up in Colorado that this is all happening. Um, we have to open up probate in another state. We get my mom appointed as the executor and, um, and all, all this time, I mean, we're still trying to close, right? Um, hopefully in time. And, you know, one thing we shouldn't have done, I mean, we're fairly certain there weren't any creditors to my grandmother's estate because it had been so many years. I mean, like maybe three years. And um, so, I mean, it's not necessarily advised to sell an asset immediately once you get that authorization. However, um, you know, we were kind of able to make some decisions on that, set some money aside just in case anything happened and, um, and get the house still sold on time. But that was clearly not the intention of my grandmother when she bought a house with me. She certainly didn't intend for me to, for her to really half own a house that would be a part of her estate that would then pass down to my mom. You know, I ha- I split the proceeds with my mom, who had nothing to do with helping me buy the house in the first place. Unfortunately, she's a wonderful person. And <laughs> we got the money back. But nonetheless, there were so many hoops that we had to jump through that simply could have been avoided. And how 
might one avoid this? You might be asking. Well, having an updated inventory of your assets, like your accounts, your life insurance policies, where they are, who the beneficiaries are, um, who is a joint owner with you, who actually owns it if you have a trust, if things are owned by your trust. And, um, and then also, um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, <laughs> um, a regular relationship with an attorney. Um, if you, you are checking in periodically with someone and you're being a bit proactive about it and, um, you know, seeing if anything has changed in the law, seeing if anything has changed within your family situation and just going over what you have, um, then you're, you're more likely to save some money, um, that on things that you are otherwise spending through like inattention. Like my grandma had, I don't know how many accidental death and dismemberment policies we found and she died at the age of 91. So she was probably not dying in an accident yet. She had been paying for many years and at a cost of well over the actual face value on many policies So it just, if she had had someone just ask the question, you know, what is, what are these? Why are we paying? How much have we paid? Does it make sense? And if the answer is yes, keep it, obviously. But if the answer is no, or I'm not sure, well, then let's talk a little bit more. Or maybe it's time to get rid of that and rethink that, um, And so there were just little things where she was just kind of giving away money and had planning that, you know, she intended to work, but it it didn't at all. And, you know, that's just not the, I know that that's not what her intention would have been to leave, you know, a, a mess like that. I mean, in fact, she kind of worked to not do that, kind of undermining her own planning, but by putting my mom on the on the deed to the house and, um, you know, adding her to accounts and some other kind of things like that that made it, made the ease of transfer still fairly easy. However, you know, could have resulted, um, you know, in foregoing a savings of capital gains, uh, taxes or anything on the sale of properties. There's a lot of kind of moving pieces there and it's always ultimately better to inherit property, um, if you can. So yeah, I, I generally, I just encourage you to be thoughtful about your planning, even if it's that you're, you're not planning right? Um, just, just think about it and know that you are consciously making the choice to, you know, to do something or not do something right now. And, um, and, you know, at the very least touch all of your accounts, make sure that you have 
a beneficiary or payable on death listed if possible. Um, and you can get, um, you can start filling out a copy of your personal resource map and actually um, check out a training that my mentor has available online um, for free. And she talks about going through this personal resource map and um, and the importance of it and everything. And so you can get to the free webinar by going to uh, bit.ly forward slash Easton Law PRM as in personal resource map. And then you can get to the actual personal resource map to fill it out by going to bit.ly forward slash fill out your PRM. And we'll put those links in the description as well. And if you guys have any questions or anything, I highly encourage you to reach out to a personal family lawyer near you. We are specially trained to take into account your full family situation and ensure that we are helping you get the desired outcome of keeping your family out of court and out of conflict, as opposed to simply drafting documents for you. You can go to personalfamilylawyer.com to find a, a personal family lawyer near you. And if you're in Arizona or Colorado and you find that this is something that you'd like to discuss further with me, then you can call my front office and schedule a 15 minute call with me by, um, by calling uh, 480-999-4455. And again, I wanna remind you that this is general legal uh, discussion. This isn't meant to be specific legal advice for you. Um, as I don't know what your exact situation is. So don't take anything that I say um, here or anywhere in this podcast in any episode as uh, legal, financial, um, business, or tax advice of, of any sort. So thank you again for listening into another episode of Family Wealth and Other Musings. I am your host, Becky Easton, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day.